0: David Graham is a speaker, author, businessman, former pastor, and founding director of Youth with a Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song, In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, which is a short, biblically-based, and encouraging devotional influenced by David's lifetime of personal moments. These moments are shared with a heart to encourage and inspire you to see Him, our Heavenly Father, at work in your own moments. I know this is David's heart in sharing because he has spent my lifetime speaking hope and encouragement into my own heart. If you would, take a few minutes and listen today. I am really proud of the things that he has done throughout his life, but what I am most proud of and grateful for is for the kind of dad Daddy, he has been to me.
1: In our last episode entitled, The Things That Shape Us, I shared the story about the things that shaped me as a boy. Those memory imprints that played a big role later on in my 30s. Today, I'd like to share about those moments when, during one single 24-hour period, things changed, turned upside down for me in a most unusual way. Here's part one of my two-part story called Encounter in the Desert. The days and nights following my first panic attack were the most difficult of my life. From one moment to the next, I was anxiety's plaything. When you become a victim of fear, an otherwise normal day can turn into a nightmare. And the following confusion distorts everything people, places, events. In a heartbeat, the smallest incident can become a giant hurdle to jump over. A victim of fear and confusion creates his or her own giants out of nothing. In fact, most of my giant problems were self-made. I think if there was one favorite companion of fear, it would be loneliness. Even though I was surrounded by supportive family and friends, I still felt alone and isolated in my abnormal mental condition. Although my loved ones tried to relate to my situation, they just couldn't. I felt I was going crazy all by myself. And when you feel trapped in the cage of your own mind, you're desperate to escape. I didn't want to die. I was far too afraid of that idea. But I didn't want to live in a constant state of anxiety either. I was driven to find some way out of this web. Of course, I took the most obvious route for a so-called spiritual man to take. I asked for God's help. No, I begged God to help me. But begging God didn't feel right. I felt guilty for begging. I felt guilty for being like this, weak and sometimes pitiful. This fear of mine was undermining my whole spiritual self, and my hope in prayer was meager at best. So in my own anxious way, I began a strict healthy diet, swallowed assorted vitamins by the handfuls and visited a few doctors. The doctors didn't have much to offer. The only clear advice they offered was to exercise. So I did, I ran. I ran partly to fight the anxiety, and I suspect partly to feel a little more disciplined and a little better about myself. One of my routine runs was located just north of her home, down a long country road. I enjoyed the feeling of leaving civilization behind me. The only thing I didn't like about this stretch of highway was the unfriendly presence of a small, unkept cemetery which lingered, menacing, along the roadside about two miles into my run. Every day, it seemed to call my name. As I crossed to the opposite side of the road, I dared not look at it or listen to it. As I neared the cemetery on this day, I felt even more anxious than usual. My emotional distress was further increased by an edgy, caffeine-like tension in my head and chest. I stopped, turned off the pavement, and pushed my feet through the tall grass of the burrow pit. I sat down on the grassy embankment, and I gazed at the western mountain slopes of the continental divide. Sitting there alone and staring, a most unusual and very real event occurred, one the Bible would describe as a vision, a very vivid vision. Nothing like it had ever happened to me before. Though my body never left Montana, my mind and spirit traveled to a far-off place. I wasn't accustomed to this kind of supernatural phenomenon, but this experience was so real. It was if I had literally been transported. I didn't know it then, but this strange experience would become the beginning of the greatest turning point in my life. The mountain scene in front of me completely disappeared. I found myself lying face down in a desert, isolated and pinned to the earth by a heavy weight of sorrow and anxiety. It took effort to lift my head. My sweaty face was bearded with sand, which I spit out of my mouth, as I stared at a vast scorching wasteland. There was no sign of life just white flat sand stretching as far as the eye could see a watery mirage of desert thermals waved in the distance this place scared me and I wanted out the blistering sun was fixed in a stationary position directly overhead making it impossible to know north from south or east from west I turned my head trying to see where I had come from but there were no tracks who was I? I couldn't remember my name. How did I get here? Where was I now? Where should I go? But I couldn't go. I couldn't move. My arms and legs were numb. My strength was gone. I was alone, lost and dying, in an empty, lifeless desert, in a scary place that perfectly defined my innermost feelings. My fear became more intense. After a long time of staring helplessly into the distance, I saw something new. A small, bright, shining object appeared on the horizon before me. It looked as if someone was trying to send a signal of some kind, as if someone was flashing a mirror at me. As the flashing grew brighter, I realized it was coming from a horse carrying a rider. Soon I could see it was an enormous white horse. Its rider was a soldier. The soldier wore a white head covering with a long veil that flowed behind him as his mighty horse powered toward me. He wore a silver breastplate that burned brilliantly in the sun. It hurt my eyes. The stallion too radiated, its bridle and saddle decorated with silver and jewels. The equestrian pair was awesome and frightening. The thought struck me. This was the angel of death coming for me. Death was my greatest fear. I had convinced myself from the moment of my first panic attack that my true problem was medical, a bad heart. Perhaps this was the moment, I thought, as the horse and rider closed the distance. When death would grab me, I whimpered in a panic. I struggled to move, but without an inch of success, I buried my face in the sand, hoping when I lifted it again, the horse and rider would be gone. But when I raised my head, the horse and rider came closer still. Now a hundred yards from me, I could hear the heavy breathing of the charging steed. Fifty yards, thirty, death was closing in on me at a supernatural speed. I groaned and buried my face in the sand once more. Within seconds, the white stallion slid to a complete stop in front of me, spraying sand over the back and length of my body. I could feel the animal's hot, threatening breath on the back of my neck. Turning my head slightly, I opened one eye to see the shadow thrown by the great horse as it rose high in the air on its hind legs. I could also see the shadow of the soldier lifting his sword triumphantly to the sun. I was certain when the horse came down, my life would be over. I trembled, waiting. The horse came down with a tremendous thud. I tightened my body and braced myself for the soldier's blade. Total quiet. For half a minute or more, I lay there shaking. Nothing happened. More quiet. Finally, I slowly raised my head, just wanting to end the agony of waiting and uncertainty. I jerked away at the sight of an object pointed right at me, some six inches away from my face. At second glance, I was surprised to find out it was not a sword after all. The soldier, leaning down from his saddle, was extending a scrolled, parchment-like document secured by a small gold ribbon. Studying the situation, I finally decided the soldier was offering it to me. Still trembling, I managed to lift my right hand high enough to grasp the scroll. But strangely, the soldier wouldn't let go of it. Confused by his response, I looked up at him in search of some explanation. I was shocked by what I saw. The rider's veil had fallen from his face. The rider on the horse was me, except he was the me I had always longed to be. The rider embodied confidence. His jaw was set, indicating his fearlessness and strength. He was a man under control whose eyes expressed both passion and power. His countenance portrayed tremendous authority and complete peace. The soldier knew exactly who he was and where he had come from. I glanced behind his horse to see the tracks in the sand. Now upon completion of a mission, he knew exactly where he would be going next. He was awesome. I would never forget him. I knew he was a prince. The only question that came to mind, shouted out with sorrow from deep inside me was, Why can't I be him? It was at that precise moment I heard a powerful voice break through the white hot skies and say, today is your day. In your hand, you hold your birthright. I was awestruck as tears began to course down my sweaty face. Then I realized the soldier had released the scroll. I stared at the parchment clutched in my shaking hand with just a hint of understanding. With my mouth open in amazement, I looked up again for answers. But the horse and rider had vanished. I bolted to my feet as the Rocky Mountains of Montana broke into view. "'Come back!' I yelled. "'Come back!' I jumped up and out of the tall grass on the roadside and ran home, like I'd never run before, all the while repeating over and over, "'God, please explain what just happened!' Dear friend, next week I'll be sharing part two of my most peculiar day ever. I believe you're gonna to want to hear this, because the story and its ending isn't just about me. The story is about you too. We're living in times when God wants all of us, his dear sons and daughters, to take a strong grip on their birthrights. And he's calling on all of us to be fearless. He's calling on all of us to be courageous soldiers for his kingdom cause. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for opening our eyes to see the things unseen, to see what we hadn't seen and understood before. As you opened my eyes to my birthright, as you delivered me from my fear and loneliness, and as you gave me a new purpose, right now, I'm asking you to do the very same thing for this one. Please make all things clear for this very dear one of yours. Let it be.
0: You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.